Welcome in everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burnt Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at BurntOrigination.com. Before we jump in, though, I'd love to remind you, if you like what we do, please leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps a ton of visibility. Share this with your friends, your coworkers, anybody that you know loves Texas Longhorn Sports. Additionally, we've got a really cool offer for you. If you've ever thought about hosting a podcast, our podcast host, Podient, actually has an offer for all of our listeners. You can sign up for a 14-day free trial and get 25% off your first three months of a premium membership by signing up using the offer code Longhorn. Now, I love Podient because man, they take all of the technical stuff and make it really easy for you. So you get your file, get your audio, edit it, and then you put it on their server and they take care of the rest. They send it out to all the feeds and then they give you day-by-day analytics, download-by-download. Kyle probably gets annoyed with the number of screenshots I send him from their recently improved mobile app of our weekly downloads, but uh, most podcast hosts you'll find out are a bit narcissistic about those kind of things. But if you want to sign up for a premium membership, you can jump on using the offer code LONGHORN, that's L-O-N-G-H-O-R-N, over at Podient, P-O-D-I-A-N-T dot C-O, to go ahead and get started with a 25% off three months of premium there. Well, my name is Gerald Goodrich. I'm your host this week, like I am every week, and I am joined by the illest, the realest, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you doing, my friend? Hey, man, I'm doing well. I'm back in beautiful Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, the travel is tough every week, but I will tell you, the 75 degrees and sunny um, is pretty un unbeatable. Um, I was uh, I was in San Antonio this weekend, or in Church, Texas, seeing. Uh, seeing my family before I had to fly out on Sunday back out here. And we were in the pool, which was nice. Parents have a beautiful pool. Um, And uh, it was great. But as soon as you got out, you're like, oh, yeah, it's 115 degrees out here. Um, So, you know, it's nice to, like, walk outside and, like, you kind of brace yourself. And then you look and you're like, oh, no, this is sunny, but it's still 75. And there's a a cool breeze. I understand uh, why people, again, live other places than Texas. It's not for me, but I get it. Yeah, I was I was talking to to some some people today, and it's hot everywhere nowadays. If unless you get too far north, and uh, unless the Lord puts me somewhere else, you're never going to catch me living outside the South. So um, that'll that probably will come up later in the podcast when we talk to Cody. So today, what we're going to do is we are going to talk a little bit of NCAA baseball, some big news from Texas, a big weekend at the Dish, and we may get another one coming forward and then we have we're going to continue our 2018-2019 preview and do a bit of recruiting preview because like we always say you can't talk Texas football without talking Texas recruiting so we've got Cody Daniel from uh, Burnt Orange Nation you probably have heard him on the show before Uh, he'll come on and talk some 2019 recruiting for us and then obviously we'll close the, the show out with some bang the drum so Kyle big uh big weekend this weekend so Texas hosted a regional at the dish hosted Texas Southern Indiana and Texas A&M, which was fun to watch. Um, and I'm, I don't want to say that Texas ran through a couple of teams like wet tissue paper, but at least the first two games uh, were met with little resistance. So Texas won the Friday night matchup with a convincing 10-0 win over the Texas Southern Tigers. And then um, a little a little school from College Station Um they they matched up with in the in the winners match and uh, Texas came out on top eight to three after uh, hanging a three spot in the first inning never looking back and really just commanding that game 
Uh, and then Sunday night was a bit of a tighter contest. Uh, Indiana took an early lead, 2-1 lead in the third inning, and then Texas battled back. Uh, the bat of Cody Clemens continued to just be uh, what Texas needed in that regional. So, Kyle, you tried to jump in like three times, and I cut you off. So you, uh, what, what A&M joke was I keeping you from making right there? Well, I mean, which one should I go with here? I'll just say this. Um, <laughs> it, it was pretty beautiful. Um, Seeing Austin, seeing the dish, seeing just my old stomping grounds uh, covered with burnt orange and with with the familiar shade of of maroon, uh, a rival, you know, coming out to play against. And, and after they took care of rival Texas Southern, um, they played <laughs> they played uh, some other school, Blinn Senior High or whatever from College Station, um, and. Uh, and honestly, I give them, uh, you know, uh, as, as much as I take, but uh, there is really nothing better than playing the Aggies. Um, it brings out the best. Burn Orange Nation Twitter was on fire, admittedly. Good bull hunting in the, in the Aggie Twitter was on fire. Credit to them. Um, it was fun. Um, the rivalry was played on the field. Um, in the football arena, of course, it should be played. It's played where it should be, you know, on the Internet and in various podcasts. But, uh, but you know, getting to see Texas uh, beat uh, A&M on, on the field was, was great. I loved the, uh, the graphic, and, and I don't recall off the top of my head, but I remember just laughing. I was, uh, I was sitting during the, during the UT A&M game with my brother and my, uh, my, my family and, and my girlfriend, and, and they put a, a screen up, and they're all fans of the Longhorns, but not uh, quite as diehard as, as I was and, um, or am. And uh, and they were kind of shocked. They were like, "Wait, that's the like the actual rivalry statistics." Um, and they showed, you know, like football, Texas has like a seventy five percent winning percentage. Baseball, Texas has like an eighty percent winning percentage. Basketball, Texas has like a eighty point one winning percentage. Just you know, like mollywop the team in every sport for all these years. And they're like, great reference, thought, by the way. Great use of mollywop. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank you. Uh, like I thought that was a big rivalry, and I was like, no. no that's that's the little brother who wants to, and I am the little brother, but uh, I get it. That's the little brother who wants to sit at the big table, um, and you know, I, I'll say this: my one of my favorite uh, high points of this whole weekend was after that game. I got to flip the channel and watch the highlights on our own network. <laughs> oh man, Kyle, you uh, man, I don't know what else to say. So uh, yeah, it was it was a good feeling. I. I love seeing that rivalry wherever it plays out. It's always better for me when Texas wins, obvi, but obvi. I just getting to see those two teams play and just the shade that was being thrown left and right. Cody Clemens like oh. just mean mugging the entire um oh. The entire AM dugout after after uh, hitting a massive home run. Uh it's just it it doesn't get better than that. And the fact that the, the A&M coaching staff took it well, you know, their head coach said after the game, if you don't want him to look at you like that, then don't give him such a favorable pitch. Like, that's <laughs> what rivalries are about. Yeah, they got us. We might – we'll try to get them the next time. So yeah. I, I loved it. It was so fun to watch. It's always fun to see. Um, you know, I – 
I've said before, out of spite perhaps, that they can hold the case McCoy L for all eternity. Uh, but <laughs> we'll talk, have that conversation later on. But uh, to get back to the baseball of it, so yeah. Cody Clemens named the regional MVP, uh, unanimous decision there, uh, you know, deservedly so. He went, what, six for six for 14 on the weekend with seven RBI, <laughs> which – is just massive, including a three-run home run Saturday yeah. against the a, the Aggies, and then a solo shot in the sixth. Uh, he scored. He batted in the go-ahead run on Sunday to win. Man, what what has gotten into Cody Clemens this year? Like, what's what's going on? I mean, it, it's it's pretty crazy. His his older brother um, had a had a a leap. I won't even say a comparable leap, but had a leap between um, you know his his I believe sophomore and junior year. Maybe junior, no, sophomore and junior year. Um, and so when Cody kind of made the sleep, I was like, I guess that's the Clemens. But he has ascended. I mean, and, and not just his family, or I'll say brothers, not necessarily his dad at this point, but um, <laughs> he has ascended. Well, I mean, truly, that, that's the point I, I want to make here is he's ascended most UT players in the past you know, five, 10 years. He's, he's in that pantheon and he has a chance depending how this, uh, how this regional or super regional coming up goes and how, um, the road to Omaha ultimately unfolds. He has a chance to really make himself an all time longhorn. Great. I'm not saying they're going to rename it dish Falk, you know, uh, Clemens field though. I wouldn't, I mean, that wouldn't surprise me no. actually given, given what the Clemens family has given to that program, but, uh, they're not necessarily going to just name it after him. But, uh, but you know, um, he, he is, is putting together a season that people are going to remember for a long time. People are going to talk about this. It's, it's been a magical run and it's the way he does it. Yeah. He had the RBIs, but it's like, you know, the game's just a little bit tense. You know, Texas is looking good, but it needs to be busted open, and there's Cody Clemens to do it. And it's like, well, are they really? Is this, is this you know, really out of hand? Yeah, there's Cody Clemens to seal the deal. Like, he just, he has a knack for doing it in the big moments and doing it in a rivalry game like that. He had a you know great series against OU earlier in the year. I mean, he just, um, he's he's hitting the big the big hits and, and doing the right things at the right time um, in a way that, that catalyzes the entire rest of the team. I don't think it should be forgotten that, you know, the seven, eight, nine hitters were putting up RBIs. We had um, Hamilton, you know, stole home against Texas Southern. Like we had some incredible plays. Uh, I mean, don't want to miscount the, the pitching, which was, which was phenomenal uh, for, oh, we'll get there. Yeah. For, for most of the series, um, you know, but, but, yeah, I think right now Cody Clemens is obviously the heart and soul of this team because he's the he's you know the energy pack. He's the battery pack. When he really gets going and charges up, uh, the whole team goes and feeds off of that. And so, um, I mean, he's going to put up one of the best hitting seasons in UT history uh, already. But he's got more games to do it, you know. And so, I'm I'm really curious to see um, the writing at the end of this chapter of, of how it goes down for Cody Clemens, but. Based on that performance, I mean, the man is a bona fide all timer. Yeah, and the like you said, it's not just the performance; it's the moments. It's the you know the the game is tense. Texas is tied. We're worried about maybe having to play a Monday night game, and he smacks one just on a freaking frozen rope in the right field. Mm -hmm. And you just felt that tension break. Like maybe that was just me sitting in the living room by myself at 1130 or whatever, but I felt the tension break. Uh, and, and it's just, you know, big players make big plays in big moments. And that's, that's what he did. Um, you, you mentioned the pitching, not to discount the pitching. So Nolan Kingham was one of five players named to the all tournament team. Um, 
he you know uh, he was a Saturday starter for Texas, seven and two thirds, nine hits, two earned, struck out eight, which is really impressive. Um, you know, faced thirty three batters, which again is really impressive. Uh, yeah, so much deserved. I honestly over over Kingham Chase Sugar's performance this weekend. I think for me was the standout. He started Friday, pitched a shutout, six innings, four hits, five strikeouts, didn't walk a single guy, and then. Comes in Sunday night, faces two batters, strikes out two batters, and closes out the series for Texas. So yeah. the the pitching was, for me, you know, Texas didn't have to put up the 40 runs it felt like it did that weekend because the pitching was pretty on point for most of the weekend. Yeah, and I mean, Sugar had a, a fantastic like defensive play with a barehander um, against Texas Southern in that game, which was a standout. Um, and it's funny, Kingham, who's really been a workhorse uh, on that on that team this year, and, and chewed through innings. He's had two complete games, and I think two more that were that were you know pretty close, a few outs away. Um, you know, he's the guy who's actually been Pierce's go-to option if you know you need to bring in uh, kind of a power arm for two outs to. You know, outside of your typical um, closer and rotation, um, so it was it was kind of interesting to see Sh- uh, Sugar come in and, and not only get the opportunity but to thrive. You know, no pressure, kid, but um, you're at the dish. You know, playing um, playing to to get to the super regional for the first time um, in years, and, and in Coach Pierce's tenure uh, with the Longhorns. I mean, no pressure, but he throws you out there with that confidence, and he lived up to it. Man, he looked great. Like that's that's the thing that I'm most excited about. I uh, you know. I don't know what anomaly it was, and I don't even really know that it was entirely the pitching's fault, but the the bats went dead too. But what anomaly it was in the Big 12 tournament, I don't know if they were throwing that. Um, I don't know if, you know, it's just the state of Oklahoma and everything um, in that state besides – you know the Goodridge's suck, um, and uh, and uh, you know I don't I don't know exactly what what happened, but uh, but the month leading up to it, and then everything since that in in the in the regional, the pitching has looked great. Um, it's it, it you get Kingham, who's a bona fide you know draft prospect. You get you get Sugar. You get um, you know some of these arms really coming alive and and all of a sudden this doesn't just look like hey this is fun this is a hot team they can put up runs they're going to be you know it's going to be fun it's like hey this this is legitimately an omaha team this is legitimately a you don't want to play these guys at this time in the season there's other teams um that have peaked and you know are cresting now uh and texas is on the right side of that getting hot at the right time is a big deal in any sport but specifically in a in a such a grueling tournament format for, uh, you know, like the NCAA tournament, because you got the regionals, then you got the super regionals. And then if you get out of the super regionals, go to Omaha. And that's another weekend and a half, basically. So getting hot at the right time, get it, being able to get your arms some rest, which I think is mm-hmm. the key thing this week is, is getting those guys some rest. Uh, but the other key is that, you know, 11th hour, um, it looked like Texas is going to be traveling to uh, Mississippi for a super regional for their first one since I think 2013, I think was the number I saw. Um, but Tennessee Tech pulls the doubleheader beat down. I say beat down. They did they did beat them down in the first game, 15 to five over Ole Miss, and then they won the Monday night matchup. Uh, three to two to knock off the top seed in that region. So Texas will be hosting the super regional uh, at the dish this weekend, which is a big deal because 
Texas, like we've mentioned before, is a much better home team than they are a road team. They are 30 and 7 now at the dish and 9 and 11 away from the dish. So being at home matters. That's a huge deal. Oh, yeah. Texas can dish it, but they can't take it. Oh, my gosh. That's so good. Um, <laughs> Never been more upset with you on this podcast, Kyle. <laughs> um, no, uh, you know, Tennessee Tech, uh, it's it's not a team to be slept upon. They, they had a, a good season and they took out. Uh, oh, or excuse me, Ole Miss, which you know I think was like the number at one point was the number two team in the country. I think finished the season number like four overall seed. Um, you know, just a, a legit um, powerhouse, and they they took them out in, in back to back games. So good for them. Uh, the Golden Eagles, in case you were all frantically googling, um, they are they are. Um, LSU colored with a bit of uh, Brett Favre's Southern Miss logo um, and and a little bit of uh, Red Raiderish you know tech tennis T tech uh, coming off the tongue so there's plenty of reasons not to like them yeah it, it's it's good so we'll see um, you know that that game is coming up this weekend so we'll uh, we'll see what that looks like at the dish I'm excited for it so again Texas will be hosting Tennessee Tech. Uh, this coming weekend at the dish after they upset Ole Miss, which again just feels so good. And I, I, I actually um, forgot to say this. I had written it down. Ole Miss lost um, how many games uh, at home this season? Uh, did they lose two? No. Well, so they they actually lost um, four all, all season and and, oh. and and twice today um, to Tennessee Tech. So. That's a that's a feat, man. You don't want to you don't want to uh, you don't want to overlook these guys. This is they're 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 also hot at the right time. But um, I do want to give a little shout out before we move on to um, good friend of the pod um, Stephen Smith, uh, who wrote in uh, and said uh, a little correspondence corner said it's 105 at night in Austin right now with a super stressful ninth, ninth inning just wrapped, and your boy Del Conte is in jeans, not a drop of sweat on him money which is which is a a beautiful short story um, but also reiterates that i love chris del conte so much i didn't count the uh i didn't count the syllables but i feel like we could work that into a haiku (laughs) oh and one more just because i'm on a roll here um if you didn't know tennessee tech is located in cookville tennessee which has produced one person with a, a bit of a connection i guess you could say to ut do you know any any famous Tennessee residents from from Cookville, Tennessee? Oh, Kyle, I, you know I don't. That would be Longhorn legend, clap clap, Coach Mac Brown. Really? That's true. It's going to be interesting. We'll see. We'll see if Mac makes an appearance at the dish this weekend. I bet. Uh, if I had to guess at what the ESPN coverage would look like now, so we'll probably get a couple of Mac Brown features that are recycled. Uh, we'll get it probably Friday, Sunday if we have to get the third game, uh, and then a random McConaughey appearance. Um, <laughs> and then they'll have way too many shots of Death Metal David Ash is what they're calling the guy at the uh, dish. I love him. If you I haven't him. seen him, he's a got a pretty nice beard and a David Ash jersey. It's, it's pretty uh pretty sweet and so now we bring on cody daniel the man the myth the legend my boss my friend uh and most importantly at least for tonight uh one of bon's recruiting experts cody how are you doing tonight man i'm good man i appreciate all the all the flattery that's getting thrown this way how how y'all living over there and i'm great it's the sun is still out at like 
845, which is the the nice part about this time of the year. It's like a billion degrees outside, but that's neither here nor there. Man, I'm not trying to brag today, Cody, but I am in Louisville, Kentucky. You're, you're stomping grounds, and I think it was a high of like 75 and sunny today. I was trying to work outside if I could. It was uh, pretty beautiful here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's when I was making the drive back, I started feeling that. Once I got to like Arkansas and then around Texarkana, just I would get out to get gas, and it's like, oh, man, I did not miss this heat. It's just it's a different beast, man. Enjoy it. For sure, man. Uh, and like I said, uh, off air, uh, I'll need the uh, the best, cheap, best bourbon that you can recommend to me from your neck of the woods because that's, uh, that's where my that's where I slide in the uh, the Matrix. Oh, it's got to be Pappy's. You can spend 2000 on the bottle. That's as cheap as you're going to go. Easy, easy. <laughs> man, that, that is the, uh, that's the other podcast we host. We'll add the uh... – High class bottles uh, brought to you by Longhorn Republic. No, so we're going to talk some recruiting with Cody. We're in the middle of our 2018 2019 season preview, and it's not Texas football if we're not talking recruiting. So we're taking a break from our team previews and we're going to talk some recruiting. So, Cody. Texas had kind of a big weekend off of the diamond, even though we're all hype about the regional potentially hosting a super regional. Um, so they hosted. Four-star stud receiver Jake Smith over the weekend. He didn't commit Saturday like fans thought. We did get a shush from old uh, old uh, Carrington, which is uh, always a good sign. And then Sunday, the actual commitment came in. So for those that maybe don't follow recruiting as closely, what does a guy like Jake Smith bring to the table for Texas? Yeah, I mean, I think for starters, the first thing that, that his film will show you is he's nothing short of a playmaker. I mean, that that's why Texas wanted a guy like that where – the last few years when the offense has struggled, it's because of a lack of uh, just overall weapons, guys who can, can get the ball in their hands and just make plays, and that's what he's going to do. I mean, he's elusive, extremely fast. I mean, he's nine times out of ten, he's going to be the fastest guy on the on the field. And just that versatility to where he can be a real weapon. I mean, he had like 1,100 yards rushing, another 1,000 receiving. Texas plans on primarily using him in the slot, but, I mean, he's going to play all over the field. You'll see him in the return game. It's just he's a guy that's just gonna score a lot when he's in Austin. So are the are the Jordan Shipley comparisons <laughs> like fair or is it just because of a pigmentation situation? See, the pigmentation thing is gonna come, but honestly, I see it. I mean, he's he's that white dude who's just he's gonna blow by you. He's he's real technical with his routes, but um, the the comparison I like more would probably be Quan Cosby. Okay, nice. I like I, that. It, I get on not just uh, not just deceptively fast, but just plain fast. Yeah, I mean he's just gonna he's gonna blow by you. Like there there will be a few games that Texas wins because of a play he makes. I, I love, love that. hearing that. I love hearing that. So, uh, you know, he's not the only big guy. So how does his um you know, his skill set compare to Jordan Whittington who committed a while back to Texas and has been a very vocal recruiter? How does how do those two big time receivers kind of uh compare and fit together as far as skill sets go? Yeah, I think they're pretty related in a lot of ways, but um what I what I've seen that's different with Whittington is He's more of like a, a, I guess I would say shifty kind of like he'll he'll also take the ball out of the backfield at times, but um like the comparisons are are really similar. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out because they're both going to be true slot guys. You'll rarely see them on the outside, but um I would say Whittington is maybe a little bit more versatile. Um he played a lot of defensive back for Quero. He pretty much did everything for him. So I, I would say other than like him being bulkier and him being stronger and maybe a bit more of a, a natural like runner in open space and, and knowing how to make guys miss. There's a lot of similarities. I'm okay with that. So 
Texas, you know, after having a lackluster start maybe to the 20, uh, 2019 recruiting cycle, uh, the month of May was, was good to them, we'll say. Uh, picked up several commitments, you know, including five-star guy, uh, Tyler Johnson, two tight ends. Uh, so where does this class sit as far as filling needs now when you add in a guy like Jake Smith on top of what the four, uh, four half of their commitments in, in for the 2019 class coming in May? Yeah, I think um, as far as needs go, obviously offensive line still. Kenyon Green just committed to A&M, which that, that's a big loss, but it was pretty expected. But you still want to fill out the offensive line. I think guys that you're going to see there, um, Javon Shepard is a big one, and he's probably their top target at tackle. And Branson Bragg, um, the nation's top-ranked center, most likely will end up in Austin, at least that's the way it looks now. Fantastic. Yeah, I wouldn't expect anything else at quarterback and or tight end because Texas already has two. Running back, you're probably looking at someone like Noah Kane. I mean, they until Texas gets another stud running back, they're going to bring talent in. And Noah Kane's obviously the guy that they would want. Um, I mean, defensively, just like we were just talking about off the air, like you're going to see the struggles in the secondary. So that's to be expected. I mean, and, and obviously when you bring in six All-American defensive backs, there's not too much of a need in the secondary. So they're, they're still fine there. I mean, you'll, you'll take guys like Brum McCoy and, and Derek Stingley if they'll commit. Jalen Catalan is probably the, the obvious one who all the signs right now point to, to Texas where he's most likely going to be playing baseball as well. And then other than that, I would just say just addressing the D-line, um, missing on guys like Liao and, and Nano Safomensa. I mean, those are big misses, but I, I think it's going to be a bit of piecing together and seeing how um, – seeing which guys are actually interested because – where, I mean, Oklahoma's enjoying the, the college football playoff uh, hangover, and, and A&M, obviously, they have that new car smell with Jimbo. So <laughs> a lot of Texas's need is going to come down to which guys seriously are still considering Texas eight, nine, ten games into the season. I mean, if they start four and four, they're going to have to – their need and the talent at those needs are going to be a little bit different than if they're eight and two, you know? That does make a, uh, does make a significant difference, hopefully – uh, the on the field will will propel them a little bit. Looking at Branson Bragg, I've, I don't know if I've ever seen a more um, at least stereotypical looking center than a guy like Branson Bragg. Oh yeah, absolutely. And uh, I mean, and he has some versatility. He's a guy that can slide over him and, and play guard. But I think ideally, you'd want him as, as Shackleford's replacement. So you mentioned uh, Leal and, and Nana as two guys that Texas missed on. I know a lot of people are saying that uh, you know Leal's recruitment maybe isn't completely closed is that what you're is that what you're getting as well or do you think the you know, texas is just flat missed on uh, a guy kind of in their backyard yeah i mean i think that one is i think the door is slightly open but that's another one where i think it's going to come down to how texas plays because i mean before he committed to a&m i mean i, I even remember pre-writing a piece on him committing to texas and then out of nowhere the the a&m visit and then boom he's committed so I know he's still taking visits, but I've read that he's pretty much doing that just to enjoy the process. But I mean, man, this is recruiting stuff. Stuff changes overnight, literally. I mean, I've yeah, I've, I've talked to kids who say one thing, and and thirty minutes later they do the complete opposite. So, I think he he'll keep the door open. But I mean, Texas is going to have to force its way through that with a good season to to get him back on board. So missing on a on a kind of crucial defensive a couple of crucial defensive linemen there so who's who's next in the hopper for texas to target as far as getting some help along that defensive line yeah i think um with with nene going to uh going to notre dame the main guy you're going to hear uh would be zach williams um i don't remember where i read it at but after his texas visit his father told it was some 24 7 site uh that texas was the leader 
And his his dad actually played at Arkansas. He's like a, a legend there. But that's that's going to be one that Texas is going to have to keep applying the pressure because obviously, I mean, you have an Arkansas legacy. It's going to be right. hard to pull him from there. But I think he's probably their top target there. And I'm not too sure on who else they may be going after on the strong side because of Tavondre being committed. And he's a guy with tremendous upside. I mean, they they took him as one of, if not the earliest commit this cycle. So I don't think you're going to see too many more names pop up there. I mean, they only have six offers out this whole year. And um, maybe Torian Carter out of Mansfield. Um, he has Texas in his top group. But I think they're going to focus on a few and try to really apply pressure so they don't end up missing more. Because, I mean, that's already been a, a theme this year where guys are hitting elsewhere or to their biggest rivals. Yeah, what do you what do you think that says? I mean, as a Texas fan listening to this podcast, you know, reading Burn Orange Nation, thinking about these things, and you see uh, the, the story that comes across on one of these guys that we miss him, what does that mean? What should Texas fans be thinking about that? What does that mean about some of these kids if, you know, they're not coming to Texas right now? Should there be panic mode? No, I don't I don't think so at all. I mean, I think there's a ton of factors that go into this. Um, one, like I mentioned a few minutes ago, Oklahoma just went to the college football playoff. I mean, right. when, when you're recruiting against Oklahoma or vice versa, Oklahoma can obviously say, well, yeah, they just had their first bowl season since uh, – well, not first bowl season, but first winning season since 2013. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, we're going to college football playoffs like – that's right. until Texas wins, they're going to lose guys to Oklahoma. And of course, just like Herman enjoyed last year, I mean, there's going to be that new car smell in, in A&M where kids are going to come in. One, it's already a recruiting power in Texas. And then now you have Fisher who has a title and all of a sudden these kids are going to believe like, hey, we can go there. And he has a winning tradition just like Herman did with Texas. And at some point, kids are going to quit buying into the message that, hey, this is about to get turned around. If you're going to turn down somewhere like Notre Dame or Oklahoma or Alabama or LSU or whatever the case may be. You're not going to do that until Texas actually looks like Texas again. And, and until they actually start producing on the field, I mean, they'll, it's Texas. They're always going to be able to recruit, but kids want to win. And especially when you're talking about these all American kids, you got to do that or you're not going to out recruit Oklahoma. For sure. And I, I like that you said new car smell. I like to imagine what, uh, what Jimbo's new, you know, million dollar car smells like. I imagine like a uh, new leather, a hefty amount of toba- chewing tobacco, and uh, and maybe just like maybe just like a little Draco Noir or something, you know, just uh, something real real cheesy. Man, I, I feel like he at, at some level he has to outside of the money. Um, by the way, it's Tennessee Tech just won, so it looks like Texas will be hosting. Um, I feel like at some level. Like Jimbo has to realize, like, what did I get myself into? I mean, he seriously, it's either the first or game, first or second game next year. It's Clemson. Like, dude, you're gonna start two and two, two and three next year, and then all of a sudden that that cult is gonna hate you. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, that's gonna be that's gonna be fun to watch. We'll have to get you back on uh, when the recruiting tides turn a bit, when the uh, when that wears off and it, it becomes a little bit more real. I'm interested to see if they do the uh, for sale signs in his front yard like uh, Friday Night Lights. <laughs> Coach Taylor, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's the one that they're going to have to just – I don't want to say ride or die because people are going to be pissed, but I've seen, like, just – I've seen Aggie's Twitter, like, project, projecting championships this year. Like, <laughs> chill out, bro. You, you got to – how about winning eight or nine games first? They gave him an undated championship plot, yeah. which means he – I mean, that any year you fill in the year and they won. Hey, maybe if he's around in 38, they can celebrate their 100-year anniversary. 
That was good stuff. Cody, thank you so much, man, for coming on. Really appreciate you taking some time out. Uh, you have to settle a, a debate Kyle and I were having uh, via text. Is you know there, There's an old quote from, from Bun B saying that you have to change your watch when no longer in the South, which nobody took the time to explain to him. That's not how time zones work. So is is Kentucky in the South? Like that's the question that we really want to get answered before you leave. And and, and more specifically, I'm in Louisville. So I mean, if you need a caveat, you can you can take that. <laughs> when I was at UK, I argued with people about this all the time. To me, Kentucky is not the South. And but they would they were ready to die for it. Like no, we are the South. Like to me, Nash, uh, Tennessee is the cutoff line for the South. Okay. Okay. So the uh, the the dapper suits, the the slow sipping of the bourbon. The uh, the little bit of southern drawl, none of that, none of that registers in. You still say, "Hey, man, we uh, we still have women who say, don't you know?'" And they bump into you, say, "Sorry," and uh, we're that close to Indiana, so we're the Midwest. Yeah, I mean, it's to me, it's just country. That's Kentucky, just <laughs> country, man. That's that's the only way I can describe it. Like, I, I, I like, like, like the towns where I go places, and there's like one gas station that closes at ten. Are you kidding me? and nobody needs to be on the streets that late cody what are you talking about uh well again cody thank you so much for coming on man we appreciate you taking the time out yeah no problem man it's always a pleasure all right talk to you soon man but that brings us to the part of the show you've been waiting for where we honor one of our favorite traditions on the 40 acres big bertha and we bang the drum so kyle what are you banging the drum on this week so uh, you know it's it's award season, um, or or I guess uh, the off season when people like to have splashy things happen, and and so a news uh, headline that came across uh, today is that the 2019 College Football Hall of Fame ballot was released, and included in it was, uh, or excuse me, were two Texas Longhorns, um, two two legends of the game. Um, the first was um, a guy who I, I hope everyone knows, but you got to dig back a little bit in, in the annals, and I, I had to myself. Um, but Kenneth Sims, who um, played at UT in the early 80s, uh, was uh, UT's first ever Lombardi Award winner, which goes to the nation's top interior lineman and, and really you know set a tradition for you know the time following that and all the all the times kind of that you and I were on campus with really really incredible interior linemen being a part of the Texas DNA um he was a two-time consensus all-american um and in that year he won in 81 was a unanimous all-american um just truly you know uh a, a guy who um could not be stopped at his position in Texas, which there have been a few of those. There's been, you know, you could put a pretty good all this position team together because there have been some guys who, you know, just at their position, at their era in the game, could not be handled. And he was certainly one of them. He actually is the was the third ever Texas player to go number one, um, you know, uh, at that point after – Tommy Nobis, maybe heard of him, and, and Earl Campbell, maybe heard of him, um, and and uh, only Texas D lineman ever be drafted first overall. So um, just a, just a, an absolute legend of the game, and a guy like I said, I had to go in and look up. I knew the name, but uh, just knew he was a number one pick. Just didn't really know, I guess, the extent that he was just a, a, a wrecking ball of havoc um, on those on those early '80s teams. Um, admittedly, before I was born, but uh, but a guy who, who <laughs> deserves the honor. Uh, hopefully, he will he will get it. Um, um, and then the other guy on there was um, Vince Young, uh, obviously. Do, yeah, there's no, no, we don't really need to explain to you who Vince Young is. 
I'm not. I'm not going to say anything else. That's all that needs to be said. If you, if you don't, um, if you don't know who Vince Young is, then I would say pause this podcast. I know you're almost to the end. Pause this podcast. Take your right hand, slap yourself across the face, re unpause the podcast and listen to the rest and then go back and, and watch some some Rose Bowl highlights uh, Vince Young invented most famous for inventing the term Rose Bowl yeah um, get the Craig away cut of the Rose Bowl highlights though as much as I love Keith Jackson it doesn't get much better than Craig away uh, so my bang the drum is another one of those obscure things that happens because we're kind of at that part of the year where not a ton happens uh, so the, for the last three years ESPN has done this thing called the world fame 100 where they rank athletes based upon their worldwide kind of media cachet and so it's this kind of algorithm that they put together they call it a proprietary formula i don't know what that means but um so they they take athletes from around the globe and basically they they give them a number based upon the number of um google searches or or kind of internet searches they get um cristiano ronaldo is the top searched athlete in the world so he set the bar at 100 and then they built the algorithm based on that uh endorsement dollars and social media followers on the athletes top social media because not every country has all the social media so you know you have to kind of standardize it so they're most their highest number on their highest platform and so uh what we've got here is we've got they've got a list of obviously 100 people but two Texas players made the top 20 or two former Texas players, lifetime Longhorns, whatever you want to call them. Uh, Kevin Durant and Jordan Spieth both made the top 16, which makes the University of Texas the only NCAA institution with a pair of athletes in the top 20. So Kevin Durant came in at number seven behind only LeBron James in the NBA behind guys like, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo, Messi, Neymar. Those are worldwide names because of soccer. Um, and then Spieth is the third golfer on the list. You got Tiger Woods, you got Phil Mickelson, and then you've got Rory right before him, and then Jordan Spieth at 16. So it's a big deal. Like I think it just it it just shows that these guys that that Texas is producing these guys are great ambassadors. And, and Kevin Durant has come back and made donations and is at games and, and is mm-hmm. you know vocal on social media about him him being a Texas fan. Now you know other opinions of him notwithstanding like he is a big name and it's a big time to have that guy you know waving the burn orange flag and then you know clearly the third most popular golfer in the world uh or fourth most popular golfer in the world comes from the university of texas so it's just it's just cool to see that you know these guys that you know you and i were got to got to get a little bit of them live on campus so it's cool to see that these guys are getting um some recognition nationally even though uh it might be a made-up thing that espn is doing to fill some airtime in the summer but it's still cool to see that uh these guys are pretty popular worldwide yeah, absolutely. And I, a my kid is going to be a golfer. I didn't re- realize golf would uh, would would you know uh, take so much of the top spots. But uh, good for those dudes. But you know, good for Spieth. Good for KD. Hopefully, he goes on and wins a wins a championship this year. It looks like he's pretty likely to. So that will only help increase the uh, the followers and the recognition on that list. Yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be good to see again whether or not you how you feel about his departure from OKC is a completely other story. But that brings us to the end of the show this week. Thank you so much for tuning in again, Kyle. Where can the good folks find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on uh, www.twitter.com backslash Kyle 
Carpenter. Um, you can find me if you really search on some of the other socials. But that's your first stop. You should you should enter into the au revoir of Kyle. Um, that's it for me. I'm having some Louisville burgers this week, and they're pretty good. So I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> You can find me on Twitter. I am at G.H. Gooders. Check out my other podcast, Two Woke Nerds. We host that every Tuesday night slash Wednesday morning where we talk the biggest stuff in pop culture news with our good friend Raymond Summerlin. Check us out, Two Woke Nerds. You can follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Shoot us an email at LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. You can have your name written and read out on the podcast. And again, follow us, like, subscribe, share, do whatever you need to. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, hook them. Hook them. Hook them.